that's what I mean about the dumpster fire, right? Like the pandemic is just an item in the dumpster fire right now. But like, you know, (laughs) during in life, there's just, it's like the realization that you're always going to be crazy busy. You know, there's always going to be too much on your plate. It's just like working motherhood. That is, that is the definition of it. Hi, I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host for Work Like a Mother a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. Today, I'm excited to sit down with Shalini Sakar, winemaker at Adavino Wines. I've interviewed a lot of mamas on this podcast, so I've heard many different answers when I ask guests how they juggle work and family. But Shalini's brutally honest and wildly accurate answer is definitely my favorite. She didn't even stop to think about it. She immediately said, well, it's more or less a dumpster fire. She went on to talk about how at some point there's just this realization that you're always going to be crazy busy, that there's always going to be too much on your plate, and that if you're doing well at one thing, you're probably not doing your best at something else. Even before I said anything back, my head was nodding in fierce agreement Not only because her description was so perfect, but because I just, I just felt so seen like, oh, thank God. I'm not the only one who's feeling this way. I can't wait for you to hear what else Shalini had to share as a leader in the wine industry, grappling with an all-consuming work schedule and caring for her two kids. Shalini fell in love with wine, but she never imagined this love affair would turn into a career. She initially studied music and earned her master's in music performance. She began working in a tasting room to pass the time while searching for a teaching job when she and her husband relocated to California in 2005. But she soon realized that her passion for wine was pushing her to pursue a full-time career in the wine business. She's now widely recognized for her success, including accolades like winemaker of the year, and has paved the way as a woman of color in the wine industry, all while juggling life with two kids and navigating a hectic schedule because the wine harvest doesn't follow traditional nine to five hours. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you (laughs) join me today on Work Like a Mother. Thank you. Glad to be here. You didn't have a very straightforward path to getting to winemaking. So can you tell us a little bit about how you landed in the wine industry. Yeah. I mean, a a little bit by accident. Um, but so I studied music education for undergrad and I was teaching and sort of towards the end of undergrad, I really thought, you know, I really am starting to hit my stride as a performer. And I'm not kind of came late to not late to music, but late to sort of taking it seriously. Like it was Mm -hmm. going to be a profession. So, you know, I didn't take a lesson until I was, uh, auditioning for, for undergrad programs. And so I kind of like felt like I hit my stride in terms of performance and really great practice habits and sort of just kind of artistically finding a voice at the end of undergrad rather than like sort of entering it. Hmm. And so I wanted kind of more from that. And I thought, you know, maybe I can get good enough to play professionally. And and I had a professor who encouraged me, like, he's go to graduate school. Like, I think you can do this. Um, and so I ended up studying performance um, for my master's um, in New York, and I thought that was going to be my career. You know, I was teaching 
uh, at a private school. I was teaching at a junior college at night um, and then teaching private lessons. And, uh, and I taught music theory at the JC. So, you know, I thought, you know, between being a professor and maybe playing in a small symphony somewhere that that, you know, could be a real career. And I was working at that and um, taking auditions. We ended up moving to California for my husband's job. And I was excited about that because we had gone from, you know, we were raised in the suburbs between Philadelphia and New York, um, went to school in New York City, bought a house in the Burbs in New Jersey, which I'm having incredible gratitude for, you know, to do that in our early 20s. But then we were both, you know, in the Burbs and just shaking our heads like, what are we doing out here? You know, there's like, there's a world to see and this is not it. Um, and so we thought, you know, we'd move somewhere. We So we, we had this real intention of kind of getting out and seeing something else. We thought we'd move to Europe. So we were trying to move to London. And I didn't know exactly what, how and what that would translate to for me, um, you know, if, if I can get a work permit or whatever. And in the meantime, friends suggested to my husband that he apply for a promotion in California which he said, what do you think about that? And I said, great. Well, but we have to live in the city. You know, I want to live in San Francisco if we do it. And he said, sure, great. Sounds wonderful. And he interviewed and two days later had like a relocation package and an offer. And so he goes, well, should we wait for London or should we go? And I said, San Francisco, we're going. So, so we ended up here and, um, and we loved wine beforehand. Um, I had really kind of fallen in love with wine in undergrad and then uh, through one of my best friend's parents had introduced me to, to the Rhone Valley. And uh, so over the course, I think of our first year of marriage really did like a lot of tasting of French and Italian wines and then ended up traveling to visit a friend and, and traveled through Southern France tasting. And it was just like eye opening, you know, it was so in love with wine, but I didn't think that was a career, right? Like you're, you're French and it's generations or you're Italian it's generations. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm Indian American and that's not, you know, that's not like historically our culture. Um, so like just that didn't occur to me. And so when we moved to California, it was like, oh, huh, there's like people who've married into this. There are people who've studied this. There, oh, there's a university program. This is an actual major. Cool. <laughs> you know? And my husband just was like, you should get a job in a tasting room and maybe you'll meet some people and you love wine. And I thought like, who's going to hire me, right? I'm a, I'm a music major, you know, why would they hire me? And it turns out teachers are good salespeople. So I got hired to work in a tasting mm -hmm. room and I met some of my like oldest friends in California in that job, um, who I still keep in touch with. And after two years of doing that and auditioning on the side, and I, I realized in there that California schools are very different um, than New Jersey schools were in terms of music programs. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm not teaching out here, so I'll just keep auditioning. And I ended up just thinking, I really am really interested in winemaking and not, not wine sales. And so I worked a harvest to make sure that I really liked it. And my husband was like, well, go for it. You know, it's time, time, time to, time to change. So I ended up staying in California when he went to grad school on the East coast and I worked a harvest. And then I worked in the cellar for a year. I went to school at night to do some of the science prereqs I didn't have as a music major um, we flew back and forth <laughs> for two years and spent our entire life savings. Oh my uh, you know, yeah, things I don't necessarily recommend, but also in a lot of ways were awesome for us because he got this amazingly rich MBA experience that, you know, if he had to come home to me at five o'clock, because I'm like, what are you doing? I'm bored. You know, it, 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 I think he wouldn't have had the same awesome hmm. experience that he did. And the same for me, I was just incredibly focused. Like I was just working and going to school and working and going to school. And, um, 
ended up going to school at Fresno State for a year. They have a post-bachelor's program. And then I interned and interned and interned because it's a very apprenticed career. <laughs> so, I, and I also came out uh, of school in 09. So the economy was awful. Um, but eventually I kind of worked my way up the rungs and, um, and was managing a, a shared winemaking facility and then eventually got a job as a um, full-fledged winemaker um, after, I don't know, five harvests or something like that. And after, after having a baby in there too. That was my short version. Is that cool? <laughs> that was great. And it leads right into my next question, which is where were you working? What were you doing when you had your kids? Yeah. So, I mean, God bless my uh, boss at the time who I'm still friends with and ping all the time for advice. He's a family guy. Um, it's crazy to me. His son was like four at the time. He's 14 now. Uh I am the reason you, but people worry about hiring a 30 something year old woman. I mean, I was married for 10 years. You know, we didn't, we weren't ready to have kids. We knew that, you know, but then I got this great job and it was like, well, it's been like almost 10 years. Like maybe we could like try and let's just see what happens. And, you know, a whole lot of happy two weeks later, you'll get pregnant. <laughs> so it turns out. Wow. So yeah, I was, I was that, I was that girl. Like I literally got pregnant within my first month of that job. And I worked like that. I commuted two hours each way. Super, super, super like, I'm, I'm thankful. I was not the person who had to go like to the hospital, but I was like nauseous 24 hours a day for 17 weeks. And, and so I would do that drive, you know, two hours each way and just be on my feet all day. Uh, it was harvest, uh, part of that. And, uh, my boss was really cool about it. Honestly, like he's just a family guy. He was like, look, you got to do what you got to do. You know, family first always. And, and I know he believes that to this day. I'm sure he's still like, oh my God, Shalini, really? <laughs> But um, he was totally supportive. They came up with um, they came up with like a maternity leave program for me because there was there were you know, there's not a lot of women winemakers. You know there are more now, but there are not a lot of women winemakers, and so a lot of places don't have, especially small businesses, don't have uh, any kind of you know, maternity leave program or any sort of support. So I was lucky that I was working for a business that actually was just like, well, we'll figure it out. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, man, Bridget, I could tell you like some, some other story. I like, I crashed my car at the end of harvest that year. Like I got a major while pregnant, while pregnant, I passed out at the wheel on the last day of harvest, 2011. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was that NPR story in the morning and my poor husband who was just sort of used to me, I'd get to work, you know, and I'd be walking around, you know, looking at what tanks and what things needed to happen and talking with my crew and talking with the interns and usually he'd call and he'd be on his way to work and Hey, how's it going? You know, how's the morning going? And that particular morning was like, hi, <laughs> you got to drive North and meet me at a hospital. That's where I'll be. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. yeah. I think I pushed it. I probably pushed it to the limit. I ended up having like a complication, which is 99.9% why I passed out at the wheel. <clears throat> Cause I've never passed out before, but um, yeah, it was a little bit dramatic. <laughs> And that sort of ended my commuting. That ended my commuting. That was that. How pregnant were you at the time? 28 weeks. What was that like though, then to all of a sudden go to not commuting, not being on site, like you're, you described earlier, you're an overachiever, you're a go-getter. Yeah. It was a very abrupt change. It was pretty devastating. Um, very honestly, because that was like my first 
full-time job that I had secured after, you know, interning and going to school and interning and interning and interning, you know, and just, it was, it's always a thing to, in the wine business, like if you're in the production area, you work on harvest. Mm -hmm. If you're lucky, you get kept on for a little bit longer. If you're really lucky, you might get like a full-time job out of it as like what we call a seller rat. Like you're just like, you know, like you're like the bottom rung. I was always a survivor, you know, cause I had lab skills and I had seller skills and I was always a survivor and I was just very lucky. My, my last boss had put me up for this job and, you know, I was hired and I was so thrilled to have this actual real job with a salary and benefits. And I finally wasn't, you know, working for less than, you know, I could make it in and out, you know, it was right. just, it was, it you had made awesome. it, you had made it I to this level. Made it. Yeah. Yeah. I had finally made it. And then, oh my God, like a I'm pregnant a year, like earlier than I think I'm going to be pregnant. And now I've got this weirdo complication. So I'm like super stressed about the pregnancy and I'm not at work. And I'm like, holy, I won't finish that thought, but you know, I am going to be unemployed. I am going to be I'm, what am I going to do? Like, where am I going to get another winemaking gig? Like, how is this, how am I going to move forward? You know, I just, I really thought it was the end of like the entire career, you know, of everything I had worked to. And I had given up music and that was like, that was already heart wrenching to sort of step away from that and then mm. really devote myself to the second thing and then feel like, okay, like it's, it's gone. And I, I did try to go back after uh, my daughter was born and I, like, you know, things you don't know before you have a kid, like I'm going to throw a kid in the back of the car in the car seat for two hours. I should go to daycare near my work. (laughs) Said nobody who has an actual child. Right. And the best part of it, I mean, again, this is why I say my boss at the time is a really great guy because this is what I had proposed. And this guy has a kid already, right? He's got a four-year-old. So he full well knows that like I have my head somewhere else. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, okay, cool. Like (laughs) just keep working. We're good. You know, and he didn't, he never said to me, like, by the way, that's probably not going to be possible. Right. He never said that to me. He's just like, okay, like you'll figure out how you figure it out. out. Yeah. And when, when I ended up, you know, trying to come back and, you know, we had all kinds of, we had feeding problems. She had reflux. It took me weeks to figure that out as a new mom. Um, like all these kind of things, you know, recovering from a C-section, like I couldn't drive for a while there. Um, when I thought like, okay, let me try to flex back. And they were like, well, we need somebody like now you're, you're, you're entire leave your short-term disability. Everything has been used up. Like you, he just said to me, he goes, look, you need to be home with your family because that's, that's where your priorities lie right now. And, and, and you shouldn't feel bad about that. You know, like Mm -hmm. really you're trying to figure this out for this job. You're going to get another job. I'll help you get another job this is not what you need to be doing right now. And I really like, I needed somebody to say that to me, like to give you that like permission in some sense to be like, it's okay. You don't need to keep fighting. And yeah, I definitely was depressed after that, you know, like just cause I was like, and now I'm home with a baby, which I never thought I would be a stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're not having an easy time of it either. So there was like sort of multiple layers of that. Like I'm already feeling like that if you're a control freak, having a baby and it not going smoothly is a really great way to flip you into some depression and some anxiety and some like serious hopelessness. You have no control. All your control is taken away because there's another human being and this other human being does not care what your plans are. Right. right. Like, so it's, it was incredibly overwhelming. And, um, 
but you know, this again, I'm like, I have so much respect for, for my boss, my friend, because he really did help me find my next job. You know, it took a year. I was home for almost a full year and a half. Um, one of my other buddies, uh, he, when, when, uh, my daughter was nine months old, gave me a job part-time cause he made, he was a consultant in mm-hmm. San Francisco where I was living and gave me uh, a part-time role. Cause he was like, you can't miss a harvest. How are you going to miss a harvest? Be my eyes and ears, you know? And, and it was it, again, a gift to have friends who will look out for you like that. So I, I did work a part-time. Um, so I never missed a harvest, but I, you know, it was just like a small few month role. And, and then I was kind of looking around and I'm like, oh my God, like, I really do have to figure out how to commute this baby or else this, this career is going to be over. And then old boss calls me and says, Hey, they're looking for someone and in the city, great winery. You already know the head winemaker. Let me reintroduce you guys, take it from there. And that was the next gig I got. That was the next job. Wow. You know, he really like really good, really good human being. Right. Um, and you don't always have that, like as women, especially, and especially like men who like are supporting you mm-hmm. professionally in a world, especially that doesn't have a lot of women. Right. So, well, and men that are supporting you professionally and personally, right. because there are that you, you can have advocates for your professional life, but it's so rare to have somebody who's yeah. on both sides and able to on see you as a whole person. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, it, it ended up being like a really rough year and a half because I definitely, I didn't understand, um, at the time that like postpartum for some women just mm-hmm. is, and I think for a lot of people really like low levels of depression look like crazy anxiety. Yep. They don't, they don't look like I'm blue and I can't get out of bed and I can't function. They look like insane control freak can't calm yourself in any way, shape or form, you know, that kind of anxiety. And I didn't, I like had no idea, you know, I just thought like, I'm not, I'm not doing well at any of this, you know, I just, you know, I really had no idea. And it was really only after the fact, after I went back to work that I could like see, you know, the forest and the trees and say, Oh, like, okay. You know, if, if ever we have another kid, like I need to be aware that that's what it looks like. You know, yeah. and, and my, my husband and I ended up having that conversation. Like, this is what that looks like. So he was a total advocate for me when we had our second kid, because he kind of could see me like not sleeping and like going down the anxiety track. So, you know, he could, he could call my doctor. He was like, <laughs> I can see where this is going. Help, right. help, help. Wow. So, yeah. So he put out the call for help the second time, which is like, was, and, and it was like a quick, a really quick turnaround of like she needs more sleep. Like that's gonna, that's gonna be life-changing for just, just trying to get some of that under wraps, you know, and, and then, and then helping him figure out how to give me a better sleep schedule. Yeah. Um, and kind of like protect my, my ability to work. And cause I, I never took off any time with the second, second kid. So, um, yes, owning your own business, (laughs) there's no maternity plan the second time. (laughs) Wow. So you, I mean, I'm a, right. I'm a, I'm, this is like going to be the most grim episode. No, not at <laughs> all. It's not grim. It's resilience. It's like the picture of resilience. And that's so much, I think what motherhood is, right? It's about being resilient and how do you come back? And I think the other piece that after two kids later, it takes so damn long. 
Like I kept thinking, oh, you know, when, when they're three months or when they're five months or when they're, or, or two yeah. weeks from now, I'm going to, in, in part, cause I think you have to, right. Like you have to have that hope to sort of keep you going through whatever the challenge might be. Yeah. But it was just the other day, really, that I was like, wow, I'm starting to feel a little more like myself and I feel a little more clear headed and I feel a little better. And my second is 16 months old. And I think, what was I thinking? Like, I even knew the second time around that it was going to take longer, but I still just kept thinking, okay, like in, in two weeks, I'll, I'll feel better and I'll have the hang of this. And like, I'll have figured it all out and it'll be, we'll, we'll, we'll be better. Yeah. It just takes so long. It takes so long. And I have to say, like, I think, you know, for me, it was a lot longer, honestly, you know, to really feel like I can remember Misha being about three years old and finally being like, okay, like, got a good thing going on our little we used to call ourselves our little tripod and we like yeah. we just had like a really like good vibe and like I could go do something and I trust you to like be able to take care of her and like you could go do something and I can handle and we're cool like we we have a life again you know yeah and and which of course is the time you go well like we're gonna have another kid we should we should we should gosh, talk about that now or we should just not do that at all and of course you like throw yourself right back into that right yeah. so which is exactly what we did and no, no regrets. You know, I really thought I was a one and done kind of person. And I like, I'm so happy I have two kids, even though they fight like cats and dogs now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it took a long time. I think it was like a little bit less with the second time around because you're not a new mom anymore. You're, you know, like they say, it's not double the work. It's way more than that. But in another way, like you have, you don't have the fears of, I don't know what I'm doing as a parent, period. Um, and then you've, you've at least, you've both been at work. You have some sense of like, how do you put that back together? I mean, it look, it looks really different, but it's not like, it's not the difference of not, not having a child to having a child, right? right? The difference, the difference from the one to two, or if people have more than that, it's like, that's, it is increasingly more challenging, but like you have some sense of what that challenge even looks like. Right. And you can kind of wrap your head around that. Um, well, yeah, and- go ahead. And to bring it like full circle to what you were saying earlier about the balls, you also know what balls, are like, you can drop to 20% and they're going to be okay. Or just what really matters too, right? Like, I don't know, not, not agonizing over so many of the decisions about, I feel so my poor husband, I like micromanage the eating, like nobody's business the first time around. I mean, I am still like a little bit of a micromanager, but like, you know, I've like really let it go. We're like, uh, you want to eat like three sweet snacks. It's probably not the best idea ever, but right. go ahead and do that. Cause I got to get dinner on the table. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. Whereas like, we probably would have gotten in an argument that I started, you know, with, with, with kid number one. So like, you know, think some things have like mellowed because they need to mellow. And I have to remind myself that like, we did not grow up on organic food. Like we, we grew up on home cooking, which was very mm-hmm. healthy and, and good for you. And then we grew up on like eighties junk food. So, right. you know, like it's, and we're alive. And we, know, made, and we made it. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I feel too. I've this summer, I have felt very neglectful with reapplying sunblock because oh, yeah. I just find it such a torturous experience for everyone involved that <laughs> I, and, and I'll like have occasional moments where I like really panic about it. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is the worst. And how is this going to happen? And then I'm like, okay, 
I can guarantee that my parents were not like chasing me around the beach, applying sunblock every, whatever the recommended is, you know, every time you came out of the water and every 45 minutes and all like, yeah, not happening. It was not like, happening. I mean, and, we know we, we survived probably, we probably know better than we did in the seventies and the eighties, yeah. but, but we probably also don't have to like go to like the other extreme where we like drive ourselves insane. Yeah. I mean, in, in all that, you know, I think, I mean, I've been talking about like taking care of my kids and taking care of like work, but like self-care, like I had no self-care. And again, that just like fed all of that, not like not taking care of myself in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Even though my husband was trying to give me space to do it, like I didn't have the ability to let go of all the other things to mm-hmm. take advantage of that or to not even hear that as a criticism. Like I used to get on him that he's trying to tell me, Hey, do you need an hour to yourself? Hey, do you want to go work out? Hey, do you want to right? And instead of hearing that as I'm trying to give you this gift of some space, like you should go take care of yourself. I would hear it as like a criticism of like, Oh man, I should work out. Like, Oh, that's another thing on my list. Right. Or like, Oh, like, Right. Like, does it, it seem like I need a break? Like, am I giving off the right? Vibe? Like, am I giving like, off those vibes? Like, of course I'm giving off those vibes. I was like, you know, <laughs> 10 kinds of like crazy anxiety, but you know, like, Oh, I should be reading, but I'm too tired to read, but I should be napping. Oh my God. I should nap. Like that whole thing about you should nap when your baby naps is just like super high pressure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it's when true. I get stuff done. That's when I got stuff done. And did I need a nap? Yes. But also acknowledging like, I'm not the person who could take a nap until some of this stuff was done. So, you know, like just, just knowing who you are in that whole bit. I mean, again, like can't, can't know it when you're like really in the depths of it, especially that first time around, but I have been definitely taking advantage of the naps this time, you know, (laughs) he takes one a week and he's going to give it up any second now. So I'm like, I am deep into like, I have nothing to do with nap time. I'm just going to go lay down Yeah, next to you. I'm going to take all my snuggles too. Um, I feel like I've progressed to the point where I fall asleep and Hudson is still awake. Like I'll be like reading a story after lunch and, you know, I don't even know what I'm saying. Like, I, I think sometimes I make up whatever I'm dreaming or something. And then he'll be like, mama, open your eyes and read the story. And I think, oh yeah, okay. I'm back. Okay. I'm back. I was supposed to put you to sleep, not right. me. <laughs> right. Not me to sleep. um okay so we've talked a lot about motherhood we've talked a lot about the juggle tell us a little bit more about your work tell us a little bit more about your vineyard especially since you have worked so hard to get to to where you are with Otavina yeah so I um I'm technically what's called a winemaking consultant um which does not mean that I come in and sniff a glass of wine and tell you to go do X, Y, and Z and then leave and collect a giant check. I am the person who actually comes in and I will make the wine physically. So, you know, I'm there from, you know, picking grapes and sorting them by hand in the winery, lots of like physical work, uh, you know, but also sensory and the chemistry side of things and just putting those, putting those pieces together, like the analytics, but the sensory and then making decisions that way. And I work with, uh, three different clients right now, plus a little bit of my own wine. So different vineyard sources. One client is an estate vineyard. So I get to be down there. They have their own winery. Um, you know, I get to be at the vineyard every day that I'm down there and walk around and see exactly what's happening during the growing season. I have other clients, our vineyards are three hours away, but Mm -hmm. I've been working with them and their growers for, you know, eight, nine years now. 
So I have like, you know, a really good sense of that community and I actually love working in that community. And I have another client where I have vineyards all over the state. So I kind of run around um, and it's a giant juggle, honestly. Like I, I work at two different physical locations during harvest. I work seven days a week. Um, there are no breaks. Mother nature does not care if you have a family. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, you know, it's been kind of lovely. My my husband is, he's a really sweet and supportive person if, if I haven't painted that picture already. He's the guy who's basically like, chase your dreams and let me finance them for like eight years while you try to make them come true. <laughs> You know, like he—he's the—he's the one who, when I said maybe I maybe like this is financially not worth having my own business, maybe I should just stay at home. Was like you would be a miserable person at home. (laughs) You need to work. (laughs) You need and you love what you do. So just like remind yourself of that and go. Um, But he used to bring the kids to the winery on the weekends. Like so, they usually pop in one day or one evening and bring me a meal and sit with me and, you know, the kids would come and do a punch down, you know, COVID's changed that or not. They really can't come in the winery safely. So we, we haven't been doing that, but um, yeah, it's a, it's pretty grueling uh, for two, three months of the year. And then, um, and then we have like our, our mythical off season. My, my parents are, uh, are our secondary childcare. And my mom always like laughs. She's like, what is this off season you speak of? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I always think it's going to be calm, but it's like calm for like one month. Um, but I have, I have flexibility, you know, and so I'm able to drop my kids off at school and, um, and then I'll go to the winery and I'll top barrels or, you know, you know, run, run some of the chemistry, um, do some tastings with clients, um, barrel taste, do blending. Um, so it's a little calmer, it's a little calmer. And you know, there's days where I can actually just be like, everything's topped up. We're good. I'm going to go home and actually like pick up my children from school and play with them. So it's, um, yeah, winemaking is an interesting career. I think if I was a singular winery, it would look really different, right? It would be like 7 a.m. every day and it'd be, you know, 4 p.m. every afternoon. Um, and harvest would look probably pretty similar, um, but maybe not seven days a week. You know, sometimes sometimes you actually get to take one of those days off or at least a half a day off or something. Um, so it's like kind of give and take. You know, I I owning my own business is definitely more flexibility. It's more work in a lot of ways too, right? Cause I've got like a lot, like I have a lot of balls in the air cause I have multiple clients mm-hmm. and trying to make sure that I'm taking care of everybody, not only their wine, but taking care of whatever needs and whatever their needs, their businesses have at any given time. That's kind of a juggle. You know, there's a lot, you know, it's not like one singular project and one singular, you know, client to work with. So that feels like a little bit more maybe than other folks have, um, even though I'm very small scale. Uh, but yeah, like I said, like the trade-off is this like flexibility and I work with these small family wineries. That's It's not like some giant corporation. It's just, you know, I'm not a cog in the wheel, right? Like, right, right. I'm pretty, I'm pretty essential and, and uh, winemaking is kind of long relationship driven. You know, knowing knowing the style of wine, knowing the places, knowing what your clients are trying to achieve. And, you know, that's hard to develop. So I think that kind of continuity or like the, the desire to continue working with each other and figure out how to make it work through this whole thing is, you know, it, it could look bad, but it, it looks great. <laughs> Comparatively, it sounds like you're really committed, right? Like you're both committed to one another and it's a real partnership, not a, like this big imbalance, right? Like you, you really are, you're in it together. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, and it's like, yes, this is your business and yes, these are your wines, but like in the end of the day, like, you know, I'm, 
you know, I'm listed as the winemaker. And so there's that, but yeah, you know, I kind of feel like they're my babies. Like I treat every wine like it's my wine, you know, and it, and I feel like that, you know, cause if somebody opens something and they're like, I love this wine, what's a, like a giant compliment to my clients. It's a giant compliment to me. You know, mm-hmm. if someone's like, uh, I don't know, like I tell you it's soul, soul crushing. You kind of, you put every ounce of your energy into making it the absolute best thing you think it could be. And, and not only what you think it'd be, but like what they want it to be as well. And then hope that the reception is that it's, it's like, it's amazing and it's enjoyable and, you know, and that someone's really going to take pleasure from it. And I don't, I don't need anybody to like talk wine geek speak. You know, I don't care. Do you like it? Is it, are you enjoying it? Are you enjoying the people you're sharing it with? Like that's, that's what wine's supposed to be about. And like, if you have that experience and I am like super pleased, like I've done my job, you know? Oh, I love it. When you think back to your time before having kids, what advice would you give to your pre-mom self? Huh? <laughs> I would not tell her to work any less hard because I really think I am where I am. 90% of, you know, how hard I worked and, you know, 10% for sure is like just opportunities that present themselves and the way you pivot. I would say be more resilient to change, be more open mm-hmm. to change. I was not open to change. Um, again, like just super type a, like very controlling if I, and very first gen immigrant, you know, like if my, you know, my parents came from India in their twenties and they worked really hard and they they made, they made themselves from nothing to like giving us a very comfortable and wonderful upbringing. Um, so part of that mentality, like as first gen is just fit, definitely like if I work really hard, good things will happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a little bit of a, that's a little bit of a lie. If you work really hard, good things are more likely to happen, but you still have to work at it. You still have to put yourself in the right places. So I would say, you know, being, being more open to change, like I wanted to be a music professor and a performing musician, but my circumstances changed, right? Because Mm -hmm. I'm married because his career was taking us somewhere else. And that's as important. My marriage is really important to me. My partner, like having a career that is very satisfying to him and obviously like pays our bills. Like these are things that as a team, we have to support that kind of, uh, anxiety that comes with change, like letting that go, like being more open to like the change. Yes, it's hard, but there's going to be new opportunities, like be open to what those opportunities are. And the other thing I learned from my husband a hundred percent, which is like building your network. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that importance before having kids, just trying to change careers, just trying to work my way up the ladder. I just thought it's all merit. It's all what you put into it someone will see you for what you're doing. And honestly, that's not always the case. I think I was quietly working at networking. I didn't understand it at the time. I was just like trying to be, you know, a good coworker with my fellow interns, like always getting along with people, trying to go with the flow, trying to be supportive to other people. I should have asked the questions and asked for more. And I didn't know you could advocate like that. You know? Yeah. Even if you weren't going to get something really direct out of it, like getting advice, geez, if I had known you could ask people who were outside of your little circle, you know, that would have been amazing building that network. Yeah. Well, and instead of, I think there's this like mentality of I'll do all the research, right? Like it's that very like type A mentality. Like I'm going to do all the research. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to figure this out instead of, 
oh, who's somebody who's done this? And let me reach out to them and maybe learn what they did or what their, what their wisdom is. I mean, had I even thought to, I mean, I've gotten asked this question quite a few times now, like who were your mentors, right? And honestly, did it even occur to me to, there were, there are women who are very established in the wine business and they were much fewer in far between in the previous generation, but they were trailblazers. And for me, there's like some degree, I think there's a little kind of like imposter syndrome, like a little like first gen stuff that comes with this, but like to have me bold enough to reach out to one of those women and have said like, I so admire your career. How did you make that happen? You know, like what advice would you give me? Because that never even occurred to me to be so bold as to act. Like, why would that person have time for me? And like, most of these women are incredibly giving of their time and their advice and generous about sharing their experiences. If only you would ask, right? Yeah. Just never, just never occurred to me that I could do that. Well, now that you are a woman and a woman of color in the wine industry, how are you helping more women, more people of color to, to enter the field? Yeah. I mean, there's like a, this last year has been really interesting. There's a bunch of new organizations that have started up. Um, I was on a panel and trying to be involved with a group called Bathnage, which is about women in wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've started a mentorship program. Um, so trying to help people who are thinking about transitioning into the wine business, trying to help women who already are in the wine business and are trying to work their way up and then, you know, taking it another level up, which is, you know, offering an actual internship or mentorship to, to an individual, um, in who's kind of like making their next steps in their career. And so I, I you know, I did a resume workshop really recently because I've been seeing a lot of like terrible cover letters and resumes. And I'm like, women tend to not advocate for themselves. Mm. Um, I really appreciate some of the stuff that I, I really, my, my husband's a great teacher in a lot of ways. I think I got like a partial MBA just like tangentially through him. I remember him when they got out of uh, the MBA program, you know, helping people negotiate mm. and women tend not to ask like men. And I have now as a hiring manager, I see it all the time. Men ask, they're like, I think I deserve this salary. And I'm like, whoa, you know, women, you know, I think still can't be heard with that sort of directness, but there is a way to ask for it. You know, there's a way to ask for what you think you're worth. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just see it with cover letters and resumes and stuff, the way people present themselves. It's very modest. It's not like, here are my accomplishments here, but there are some people who are advocating for themselves. So I'm trying to do some of those things. Um, I've been trying to be really, really vocal with my Instagram account in terms of like, you can DM me anytime. Like I will share my email with you. Like, let's chat. Um, just trying to like hire, trying to think about hiring in a way of like, maybe you don't have the same experience as a white male because you haven't been given those opportunities Mm -hmm. or a lot of doors have been closed on you, but maybe you have some experience and maybe you have the potential to grow and sort of trying to hire with that mindset of like, it's really not going to take you long to catch up. You just need some opportunities. So how can I like, not going to hire, like you have no experience and you have no idea what you're doing and you're floundering, but like you have a clue, you're dialed in, you have this applicable experience. Like now I need to hire and give you space to grow and help you grow in it. So I think those are the kind of things that I'm trying to focus on um, in terms of, you know, welcoming more people into this business and hopefully, you know, I'm the first Indian American uh, winemaker to my knowledge. Um, there are a couple other, you know, Indian diaspora like have come and are accomplished winemakers here, but I think I'm the only one who's born in the States and sort of like had this very 
Americans, sometimes not always the most diversity friendly upbringing, if I'll put it mildly. Um, and, um, and hopefully that's going to be very short lived. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, hopefully there's like a whole bunch of people and I'm not unique at all in any way, shape or form. So well, that's and, cool. <laughs> and it sounds like you're doing amazing work to make that, that happen. Yeah. And trying to support, there's a, a whole bunch of other organizations. And so I'm just trying to be as available to people as possible and just let people know that, you know, that reach out to me. I'm, I'm always happy. You can tell I talk a lot. I'm happy to talk. <laughs> well, I could talk to you forever, but this has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being so open and honest about the joys, the challenges, all of it. Um, it's just been wonderful getting to chat with you. Thank you. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. It's been really, it's been fun getting to know you a little bit. Work Like a Mother is produced by Neighbor Schools. Neighbor Schools is a startup in Boston that I co-founded in 2018 to help parents find daycare. As a first-time parent, finding childcare can feel scary and intimidating. At Neighbor Schools, we help you find daycare you'll feel really good about so you can go back to work with the peace of mind that your little one is getting the socialization, support, and stimulation they need to learn and grow. We've helped thousands of moms and dads figure out the daycare search. Check us out at neighborschools.com. And when you get in touch, mention that you discovered us on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.